Our scripture today is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, and I will be reading from the Pew Bible. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. We have this great story about Bartimaeus. This is a healing story, one of many. And for us here in 2012, the fact that Jesus miraculously healed people uh, is, is quite remarkable. It's quite an impressive thing. But if we were reading this as the original audience it was written to, what we would in the biz call the Markan community, if we were reading it from the Markan community, uh, we would see that healing is, we would see healing in kind of a, a different way. First, I got to say that there really wasn't any science or medicine to speak of. And so uh, every time someone got better, it was generally attributed to some kind of healing. I mean, even those who practiced the healing arts, they would do herbs and whatnot. But in addition to that, they would, you know, pray over you and do all kinds of rituals, the uh, spiritual rituals that, that they felt brought about healing. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of, anytime someone got better, it was, it was usually as a result of some kind of healing thing. Second of all, I got to say that every Messiah that came down the road healed people. And that was part, that was your foot in the door. If you, if you were going to be a Messiah in first century Palestine, you better do some healing or nobody's going to listen to you. Uh, that was that was part and parcel with what it means to be a messiah and there were you know we have records of other messiahs going around and doing miraculous healings in fact even caesar was there was uh healings attributed to caesar or or uh the and dead caesars their hands would still heal people it was uh this was a this was kind of a common thing if you were going to be a person of any power or anything like that healing kind of came along with that and the only reason I bring all this up is that, to say this, that in the Gospels, healing is kind of, it's almost incidental to the message. That is to say that the healing in and of itself isn't the point, right? The fact that Jesus healed people, uh, again, was not all that remarkable. And healing serves as the vehicle for some deeper meaning, some other message that is trying to be conveyed. And so in that sense, the healing part is uh, is almost incidental it's it's uh you know yes jesus healed this person now let's talk about what they're trying to say uh 
with the healing. And so I guess uh, that's kind of uh, what I'm getting at. And this is great for a preacher because if I'm not, you know, if I weren't able to allegorize the Bible, I wouldn't have much to say, right? I would just read it and you guys could go about your business. But as a preacher, I need something to allegorize. I need to draw some deeper meaning out of what we're seeing. And so it's great that healing kind of lends itself to this kind of thing. And so I would say for us today, I'm going to give away the ending. I'm going to say for us today that this healing message is a metaphor for our relationship with God, ultimately, uh, is one of the meanings uh, hidden within this healing story. And I want to look at particularly the things that, that go on here, the things that were said. You know, Jesus comes across this person and this, uh, this blind beggar and he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And of course, everyone tries to shut him up. Uh, which is normal, but he continues to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what you got to know is in Mark, people who know Jesus' secret identity uh, are to be noted. Because in Mark, there's only a very few who actually know who Jesus is. Even the disciples are blind to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. They call him teacher, right? Pharisees call him teacher. The only people who call him Lord or call him Son of David, which is a title for the Messiah, or call him Messiah or Son of God, the only people who do that are the sick and demons. Demons know who Jesus is, and the sick people and the downtrodden and the marginalized know who Jesus is. I think it's ironic that Bartimaeus being the blind man is, is the only one who sees who Jesus is in this particular encounter. Mark does that on purpose. The irony is deliberate. Mark does that on purpose and is trying to convey something to us. That, uh, and, I, and, I, and I wonder why that is. Okay, so uh, it makes me wonder, is this born out of desperation? Is it, is it only the desperate and the disenfranchised who can really see who Jesus is and who uh, are the disciples and the Pharisees, are they so cluttered with their, their place of privilege that they fail to see who the Messiah really is? Can only those who are in really deep, deep need understand who Jesus is for them? Maybe. Maybe that's what Mark's getting at here. But Bartimaeus keeps crying out. He's persistent. He's annoying. And uh, finally Jesus says, who is that? Get, call him over here. Let's have a talk with this guy. And so everyone says this, take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Many voices were telling Bartimaeus to shut up. They had assumed that Jesus was just too busy or too important to deal with this guy's problem. He was a blind beggar who could not be bothered with. What could he possibly bring to the table? And what, why give him anything he needs? He's inconsequential anyway. You know, this brought to, as I was reading this, it brought to mind this, this, <laughs> this incident that happened when I was in the Air Force. The General Oaks, uh, who was the commander of the United States Air Force in Europe, uh, this is when I was stationed in Germany, was coming to visit our shop because we were hot, right? We were, the good, we were really good. But he comes to visit our shop, General Oaks. Actually, he's from Utah, General Oaks, uh, 
big guy, you know. And, and so we got this whole briefing about how to behave around General Oaks because uh, we were, you know, just working guys. <laughs> and and uh, our, our uh, NCOIC, Sergeant Shumischuk, uh said, now don't ask a bunch of stupid questions. You know, General Oaks doesn't know... Uh, you know, why we don't have Pepsi in the vending machines or any of those kinds of things. Don't, don't embarrass me by asking some stupid question. And so we get in there and we're all in the conference area and we're listening to him prattle on about something. And, uh, and finally a time comes for questions. And uh, Sergeant Hamilton, who's always good for a laugh, Sergeant Hamilton raises his hand and says, uh, wanted to know why the shifts had changed, the swing shift had changed from, uh, from 11, or uh, from 3 to, from 2 to 11 to 3 to midnight. And of course, General Oaks has no idea why we changed the, <laughs> the thing. And Sergeant Shumas, I mean, all of, uh, all of the NCOs are, and the officers are standing there just staring at, at Hamilton. And we were just rolling in the back going, man, he does it every time. He does something wrong. So, uh, you know, it just made me think of this, that, 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 you know, the general, you know, it made him look bad. He didn't know, he didn't have time for Sergeant Hamilton's uh, thing. And at the time I thought it was hilarious because it's always fun watching Sergeant Hamilton get in trouble. But as I think about it now, Sergeant Hamilton didn't have any question about the higher mission of the United States Air Force in Europe. In fact, none of us did. We couldn't care less. Right? He didn't care about the regional discern, uh, discernments and the base realignments that were going on at the time. None of us did. Uh, for him, it came down to when his shift began and when his shift ended. Because he's a working guy <laughs> who has a family who wants to know when he can go home. And it's where the rubber hits the road. And I thought, you know what? That's a reasonable question. And General Oaks didn't know. But Jesus is different. And Jesus is different on purpose. Jesus is out looking for the mundane issues that hit us where we live. And granted, being blind is not my dane, but certainly it is the main thing on Bartimaeus' mind. He didn't, have, he didn't care about dialogues about the theological significance of the Torah and whether or not the, the rabbinic laws mattered or whether or not temple worship was valid or invalid or whether it's been corrupted or any of those kinds of things. He didn't care whether healing on the Sabbath was a sin or not. He was blind. And that's what mattered to him in that moment. And this is what Jesus looks for. Jesus looks for Bartimaeus, not so important and reachable as not to be interested in a blind beggar and what he had to say. Jesus always had time for the people on the margins. And those people on the margins didn't care what his theology was. They cared that he was there to listen. In liberation theology, we call this Jesus' preferential treatment of the poor. Uh, in other words, Jesus favors the poor, the left out, the disenfranchised. Jesus lifts up those who have been knocked down or kept down. At the heart of this is that Jesus is available to us when we are, not, when we are at our most desperate and vulnerable in ways that no one else is. Where others would tell us to just get over it, Jesus says, I understand your pain. Take heart. Get up. I'm calling you to come to me. Are you hopeless? Are you helpless? 
There is someone who will restore hope through a redemptive faith that brings with it the strength to keep moving forward one step at a time until you can walk and not grow weary, until you can run and not grow faint. Amen. If you are angry, if you are confused, if you are doubtful, if you are left out, if you are just out, take heart. Get up. He is calling you. And then he asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? Now that's a strange question. First of all, there's a blind beggar standing in front of you. I think it's pretty obvious what he wants. Second of all, aren't you the Messiah? Don't you know what I want? <laughs> but Jesus says, what do you want? A strange question, I think. But it fits the way God does things. First of all, it invites us to name our deepest longings, our most fervent desires. It invites us to just say them out loud. God, this is what I want. This is what I desire deepest in my heart. This is my, my most fervent need as I perceive it in my heart. Just say it out loud. How often are we invited to search our hearts and bring it out into the open? Second, I think Jesus never wants those who have never had the power to feel powerless in front of Him. Jesus is always helping the powerless become powerful. Even, even within the presence of Himself. Right? And what I mean by this is that the last thing Jesus wants to do when we feel like things are most out of control and powerless is to have Jesus completely dominate the transaction. Jesus is all about empowerment and giving us the abilities and the tools and the strength and the spiritual spirit to do what needs to be done in our lives. Uh, you know, there, I, 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 follow, I got on this thread on Facebook a couple of days ago and they were talking about um, In God We Trust as the national motto and it got into this thing. And this one person was kind of saying from their perspective that it was a, a, it was a disempowering motto as if as if uh, we need to hand everything over to God and we just passively sit back and let God solve all of our problems. Well, first of all, I'm not sure that's exactly what in God we trust means, but I get where they're going. Uh, that, that to passively just sit back and, and expect God to solve all of, our de all of our woes and fix everything without our involvement is a little foolish and not the way God works. We all know that, amen? We all know that. Not to say that God does not come to us in our deepest need and is not there for us, that there is not provision, but that God invites us to be the ones in power in that moment. Even if the invitation is just, tell me what it is you are looking for. And we'll talk about that. Right? A little bit of power within ourselves to say, well, I'm blind and I need to see. Right? Or I'm lost and I need to be found. Or I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need some relief, God. God says, I know. 
And it's going to take a lot of work <laughs> on your part and mine to get the relief you're looking for. But the blessing is, God says, I will, you can trust in me in that I will be with you in the middle of it all. Walking every step, holding your hand, kicking your butt, whatever it takes. I'm not going to go anywhere. That's what we can trust in. Amen? Amen. The other thing is, it just, it's helpful for us to name our issues, right? It's helpful for us to know what it is we want and what it is we need and to even separate the two every once in a while. So Jesus asks this empowering question, what do you want? And now the ball's in our court. What do you want? I notice Jesus doesn't ask people empower that question. He, he kind of tells them what they're missing often. But he asks this guy, what do you want? Bartimaeus says, I want to see again. Here is really where the metaphor of our relationship with God takes shape, doesn't it? A lot of people, here's a truth, a lot of people don't want to see. A lot of people don't want to see. I've noticed this. In fact, so often we're told that true faith is blind. Right? I'm getting mixed messages here, Jesus Wait a minute, if faith is supposed to be blind, why is Jesus healing this guy and helping him to see? No wonder people are confused about religion. But in this story, and in the Gospels in general, faith is about sight. It's not about blindness, amen? It is about seeing things the way they are. But more than that, it is about seeing things the way they can be as well. Break the chains. Break the chains is the ministry that... Pam uh, Davies was here to talk about. What an incredible ministry that squares off against human trafficking and sexual exploitation of women. That's what she was here to talk about this weekend. And she talked, uh, and I sat in on part of a presentation yesterday, and I was so moved by the people who were involved in this ministry. Uh, and she talked about a group of them, a bunch of, old, bunch of uh, white-haired ladies, <laughs> going off to Costa Rica uh, and they sat outside one of these bars where American men would just drive up it was like a drive through service would just drive up someone would run in grab a girl and it was usually a, not a woman a girl bring them out and get in the car and leave you know where that went and they, these ladies would boldly stand there and pray for each person as they got into those cars. The John and the prostitute. And she talked about praying through the hotels where people are getting picked up and walking through the bar. And the driver got nervous saying, you need to walk faster because people are getting mad about this. Wondering what these ladies are doing. And they were praying. They were praying for... The situation. She told me about these incredible women who got visions from God to go to Costa Rica, go to Thailand, and do something about these women who have been in bondage as sex slaves to this industry. And they sold everything and would go and setting up safe houses and setting up programs where they learn skills where, so that they can feed their family. Because when the question came to them, what do you want? They said, I want to feed my children. 
just want to feed my children. And the world said, that's fine. We're going to take your whole body and use it the way we want. And then you can feed your children. Jesus said, no. God loves you so much. There's better ways. And there's people who care. And there's people who will make things different. And their faith in all of that and the faith of the people coming to bring that good news and to bring those good works to this stuff that we would rather not know about what makes them well. This is why Jesus attributes healing to faith. It's because it was through faith that Bartimaeus could imagine himself as whole. It wasn't through seeing with eyes. It was through seeing with the heart. And in the same way, these, these women brought to these prostitutes, to these exploited, to these hurt, to these downtrodden, to these used and abused, and they said, if you could just see yourself the way God sees you, you would see there's hope. You would see there is a path to wholeness. You would see that there is a tomorrow. And you would see that there is love from a man who wants more than your body but wants to love you for your soul, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Incredible ministry. And at that moment, those women were Bartimaeus. Those prostitutes were Bartimaeus. And at that moment, those women who reached out to them were Jesus. That's what this story is about. It's about bringing sight to the blind. It's about healing the sick. It's about giving worth to those who see themselves as worthless. It's about feeling that ourselves and sharing it with others. It's about receiving from Jesus our own ability to see and having faith to imagine ourselves as whole and healthy and vital and filled with joy and then inviting others to experience that same faith as well. On the one hand, we are Bartimaeus. On the other hand, we're Jesus. The hands and feet of a loving God through this man Christ with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I pray this story indeed becomes a metaphor made real in our lives in our church, in our world. I pray that we have faith that will not only make ourselves well, but that the whole world would find wellness through that faith. Let us pray. Powerful God, Lord Jesus Christ, we we come to You both as blind beggar, as prostitute in Costa Rica, as one in need of wholeness, as one in need of reshaping, 
of new creation, of recreation. And yet we also come to You as one filled with empowerment to bring wholeness to a hurt and a broken world around us. May we embrace both. Knowing that it's all about Your Spirit at work in us. We invite You to be continuing that work within us as we go from this place. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.